It takes more than using regular expressions to replace all the instances of the word parser with regular expression in the Dragon Book to be a great software <laughs> <What>? engineer. <laughs> this is episode 302 of the Soft Skills Engineering <laughs> Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Now, if you're thinking that intro makes less sense than the intros normally do, we are recording this late at night. <laughs> So in, in the calm light of the morning, I might have no idea what I'm talking about. Is this the compiler's book? Yeah, yeah. The, the Dragon Book is the famous compiler's okay. book that like nobody reads. I'm pretty sure I've recommended people read it before. Uh-huh. I've never glanced at a page. <laughs> I just like heard from someone, oh, that's the compiler's book. And then uh, years ago, wanted someone to think I knew stuff about compilers. So I told them to read the Dragon Book. Right, of course. <laughs> I just pulled it up and saw the cover on Wikipedia, so yeah, I can tell it's good. Yeah, it's it's got like it's like the highest quality 3D rendering that you could get in 1986 of a dragon <laughs> and a knight attacking the dragon. Yeah, I couldn't tell you if it's good or not. All I can tell you is it is. The dragon is wearing a T-shirt that has words on it that say something computery, but the, the it's just too. The resolution is too, too low. low. Res. Yeah, so <laughs> they I didn't, can't tell they didn't have the technology. The knight has a shield that says the word syntax on it, though. So I know that that's definitely compilery. Yeah. Now, is the dragon your code? You're slaying the, the bugs. The dragon is the bugs in your compiler. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and, and I'll never know because I'm never going to read that book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will not recommend it again. Not because okay. it's bad but because I will never read it. Speaking of compilers, <laughs> this episode coincidentally is sponsored by the Red Hat podcast called Compiler, which we will tell you more about later on in the show. I would like to thank our patrons, so I will. This episode, we want to shout out all the folks who contribute at the ludicrous level of $10 a month or more. Wait, nope, $20 a month or more. At a- <laughs> <laughs> Leave, you know what? Leave it in. Well, it's it's ten o'clock. Anything goes. Any, okay. <laughs> the witching the witching hour. Yeah, the witching hour. I am allowed to get the Patreon tiers wrong. It's the witching hour. Yeah, thank you to Craig Motlin, Roman Code, I Love Mavis, the Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, Andrew Pollock, the Eat Your Job Podcast, Ian Walter, Aranduna, Patreon.com.au. We're hiring. Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, Testing is Documenting.org, Eladapa Fadye. RMRF Prod, Ragnar Harrison, Timmy Garabrandt, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Braden Keynes, John Grant, Nick Cantar, and Philip John Basile. And we want to thank everyone who's supported the show in the past, too, and supports it by listening or by contributing on Patreon. If you want to join this crew, you can go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon, and you get me to say words. And at any amount, you get an invite to our Slack team, which is popping off it is trying to think of new adjectives to describe it (laughs) it's popping off (laughs) i haven't used that one yet yeah to the questions to the questions yeah can you read the first question dave yes this comes from an anonymous listener who says my boss keeps recommending bad movies (laughs) i watch most of them but I feel bad because they're not good and I don't want to disappoint my (laughs) boss they are okay but also really (laughs) mediocre do I just ignore my boss's suggestions or should I keep watching these terrible action heist movies even though I don't like them? <laughs> huh. This is I've I've heard about people feeling pressured to 
learn about sports or some some other hobby that maybe their boss or lots of people at the company are into. I have not heard about this specific one of yeah. watch these terrible movies. Watch these terrible movies. I love it. <laughs> I, I don't think there's such a thing as bad movies anymore because if any movie is bad, you just get to claim it's actually a cult classic. Right. It's not terrible. It's just, it's terrible on purpose. It's it's ironic. Yeah, exactly. This is just a future cult classic. <laughs> That's right. It's a, it's a nascent cult classic. You just yeah. got to you you loved it before everyone else did. This direct to DVD in 2022 <laughs> Steven Seagal movie <laughs> is not bad. And 30 years from now theaters across the nation will be full of people yelling quotes at midnight screenings. That's okay. right. It's like the Rocky Mountain what would not the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. As they dig up their old DVD players from old pawn shops to be able to play this thing. <laughs> yeah, it never went huh. to streaming or movie theaters. You could only get it at Redbox outside of Walmart. <laughs> it was a limited run in, in just a few red boxes. Right. <laughs> we red had boxing. to drive. I had to drive all over town to find this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not deranged. I just like cult movies yeah i just cult classics you're like you're like the venture capital investor of cult classics you, know, <laughs> like, you have to watch 10 of them to get one hit in 20 years yeah for every rocky horror picture show which i have also never seen in yeah. like like the dragon book there's a thousand steven seagal direct to dvd yes. <laughs> the 10x return is is <laughs> is hard to come by yeah you okay what if you add so stand up is is or sometimes is what i worked on yesterday what i'm working on today any blockers you can yeah. add a fourth section which is movie reviews yeah how many stars <laughs> yeah or thumbs up thumbs down or i guess you could do what netflix does and only do thumbs up or nothing and then you kind of have to just figure out yeah like the absence of a review is an implicit thumbs down what do they do now? You can thumbs up movies. You can't see other people's ratings, but you can see this percentage of, of how likely you are to be into it or something like that. Does that sound familiar? No. Well, it might also be wrong. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but I think what I'm getting at is you could just tell your boss, this movie is a 100% match for your tastes and interests. Right, right. Exactly. It's okay. So instead of sharing your personal opinion... You just you try to predict your boss's alignment with the movie. Is that what you're saying? I think you already can. You just take your opinion and invert it. <laughs> One minus <laughs> your opinion. Yeah, you got that. <laughs> and the dialogue was gripping. It was 95% awesome. I do like the stand-up idea where it's like, okay, yesterday I finished my code review. Today I'm going to tackle this bug. No blockers. And Steven Seagal in Contract to Gill in 2016 was four out of five stars. Oh, okay. Take it further. Uh, add, if you're doing sprints, add some stories for the movies <laughs> that your boss is going to recommend. You need a good three hours set aside to watch that like Land Before Time John Wick crossover <laughs> where the little Littlefoot dinosaur... <laughs> Goes to avenge his tiny friend or something like that. <laughs> and and so you're saying that needs to come out of your work time. 
I think so. I mean, if you have to watch it so you don't disappoint your boss, then yeah. Sure. Like, why are you complaining reasonable. when your boss is literally assigning you work of sitting down and watching <laughs> movies? Put it on the sprint board and be like, "Oh, look what's at the top of the Kanban board today." <laughs> you okay? What type of movies do you think your boss would despise? Oh man, <laughs> you could start recommending movies to your boss. Be like, okay, I'll take your recommendation, but I'm going to trade you one. And this yeah. is a one-for-one one situation. You got to watch mine, and I'll watch yours. I'm imagining there are these like very avant-garde, art house, critically acclaimed, maybe not many people being shot in right, <laughs> <type> exactly. of movies. <laughs> <laughs> you got to find, you need to find the right inverted ratio in Rotten Tomatoes of crowd-pleasing being exactly the opposite of the critical rating and i think you've got yourself a winning combination there yeah black and white is probably a good sign yeah oh yeah subtitles are probably a good sign oh yeah for sure unless it's like my wife really loves kung fu movies those have subtitles but also some of them are black and white as well yeah so maybe not but your boss would love those movies yeah exactly so that's off that's and they do kind of rock to be fair (laughs) (laughs) in this case your boss might be correct yeah, yeah. Huh. Do I ignore <laughs> terrible action heist movies? Oh, action man. heist movies. I'm actually, suddenly I'm in the mood to, to go watch like an Italian job kind of movie. How many of them are there? I don't know. I, I didn't realize action heist was a genre, but I kind of like it. That's like Ocean's Eleven, right? I think so. Okay, well, thank goodness we have Google to tell me the 88 best heist movies of all time. Yes. I know what I'm doing for the next... 44 days inception is supposed okay that's on the list i guess that makes sense inception's a heist yeah they're they're except they're inserting an idea not stealing something <laughs> it's like a reverse theft your boss probably doesn't like it yeah he he okay uh, well yeah we don't know the gender of the boss i'm assuming it's a he because <laughs> this is like a very masculine energy thing to do <laughs> just like throw your arm around someone and be like you look like the kind of person who'd enjoy Die Hard 17. You should really watch it. I, I think you'd like it. Just be like so out of touch with what the person actually wants. Look, tomorrow, tell me how much you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what my original point was going to be. I don't know. It was really good, though. I think you should dedicate your time while watching these movies to, look, go learn machine learning, learn about neural networks, and train a model that does nothing but predict, given a few facts about a movie, whether your boss will like it. Mm. I think that'd be really cool. Be a good use of your time. Level up your skills. And then you can show your boss, like, look, I have the perfect system. I've classified every movie title on IMDb. And I now have a sorted, ranked order list of movies you should watch. Just let me know which ones you've already seen. And you're set for life. You could even pitch it as you have this special expertise that you can only access when you're not face-to-face with your boss and you have right. a couple minutes to, air right. quotes, think. A.K.A. bring up a GPU instance on AWS. Yeah. <laughs> spot instance. Yeah. Hang on. Let me let me go to my mind palace to search through for the perfect recommendation for and you. Of those two minutes, you're going to spend the first 90 seconds trying to type in the CAPTCHA on the AWS console login. <laughs> Uh, you have to upload a picture of yourself holding a sign that says, I solemnly swear not to mine cryptocurrency with this instant. <laughs> <laughs> Although they probably don't care. 
Yeah, they're happy to pay. They're happy to take your money for CPU cycles. One last suggestion that is only 50% stupid is there's a whole genre on YouTube of people trying to get around copyright restrictions, preventing them from just playing movies on YouTube and making ad money from it by doing like a 30 minute long reaction to them watching the movie that features all of the top 30 minutes of the movie with like their faces in the corner. So if you don't want to watch a movie, but you, you want to know a little bit about what's going on, mm-hmm. you can find Perfect. one of those. It's like fair use, maybe yeah. if you squint so that someone can monetize a major Hollywood movie without having the the copyright problems. Hollywood assassin sent to their That's yeah right. the copyright assassin <laughs> sent to their house. And these days, Netflix has like a 1.5x speed, so you could kind of burn through these movies and get the gist faster if you can't find one of those YouTube clips. I mean, we talked about movies. You recommend something. It doesn't have to be a movie. Like it could be other medium. Recommend some poetry. Yeah, here's a book. Go check it out at your local library. Yeah. It's in a language we don't speak, but I think you'll really enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know. That's all my best ideas. I think it's kind of amazing that we just spent more time answering this question than we do most soft skills career questions on this show. <laughs> and, and I feel like we got better answers <laughs> than we often do. <laughs> the new recording time is 10 p.m. We are on. Okay. Hey, Jameson, have you heard about that podcast from Red Hat called Compiler? Isn't it the podcast that transforms human voices into bytes interpretable by machines? <laughs> yes, that's the one. Like every podcast. <laughs> so the, the show Compiler comes to you from the makers of Command Line Heroes and is hosted by Angela Andrews and Brent Simino. Yeah, I've listened to it a bit. I listened to episode 18, which is about productivity, and I learned about the co-action effect, which I will not explain to you so that you go listen to it. Uh-huh. I hadn't heard of that before, and it was cool. They also had an episode on compilers, and there were fewer really corny jokes about the name of the podcast right. than I expected, <laughs> but very informative. They had uh, one of the GCC developers on there to talk about compilers, which was great. Yeah, I've, I've been listening too. It's an awesome show. I liked the episode on how Red Hat ran a long-standing, like multi-year, I want to say 10-year challenge for employees to hack their monitors inside the building to put up a meme image. And I don't want to spoil it, <laughs> but let's just say that it ends with the business cat. Probably my favorite kind of podcasts are shows that tell outsiders how things work inside big tech companies and have access to people and perspectives that you don't see every day. Very interesting. You can listen to Compiler on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. And we'll also add a link in the show notes. Check it out. All right. Now the stakes are high for this yes. next question. Should I read it? Go for it. All right. This is from an anonymous listener who says, does it matter if my emails are well-written? I'm a software engineer. I asked my partner how I should word a part of my email. After reading my email, they were appalled. They said that it was, not air quotes, real quotes, abysmally written and lacked refinement. I'll admit that it wasn't my best written email, but who cares? It was just an email letting a team member know that I had followed up on a ticket a while ago. So it wasn't like this was going to a client or something. Plus, I felt the email conveyed the message it needed to. In my mind, as long as the email isn't offensive or covered in grammatical errors and conveys the message, isn't that good enough? My partner argued that I should write my emails more eloquently since my, quote, terrible emails will reflect poorly on me. I told them other engineers care more about the content and less about how well-written any given email is, but they would not budge. 
In addition to that, some of the emails I've gotten from our senior and staff engineers seem like they were written by someone who has the English skills of a middle schooler. And they seem to do fine for themselves. Yeah. Thoughts. <laughs> yes. It is amazing the variety of grammar and spelling and punctuation skills that you can find among very skilled engineers. Very well compensated people. Yes. I make a lot of money to write this bad grammar. <laughs> you know how much they pay me to confuse which there it is? Right. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, this is a tough one. I have a I have a very strong bias. I do too. Can I predict what your bias is? Yeah, go for it. I, I think you spend an obsessive amount of time crafting very clear and carefully written emails. That's my prediction. Close. I think that I hold others to a higher standard than I hold myself when I read oh, emails. I was way off. Okay. I, no, but I, what I'm saying is I do value a very well-written email. I often write too much. I pride myself on not making grammar mistakes, but I could be wrong on that. You know how you can't see your own mistakes sometimes? <laughs> yeah. I pride myself on no one telling me that I make grammar mistakes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. No one who reports to me has told me my emails are bad. <laughs> they must be good. <laughs> I do, however, put on my kind of like eighth grade English class teacher hat when I read other people's emails. And I'm like, mm -mm, semicolon, nope, comma, nope. Those are two independent clauses. Must yeah. be joined by a conjunction and comma. So I do find myself doing that a lot. It's like I can't turn off that part of my brain that just criticizes reading, hmm. sadly. I think one of the things you might be saying is that uh, this question asker said, other engineers care more about the content, less about how well-written it is. And that is not, I mean, like all generalizations, that one is not 100% true. There will be engineers who will have a harder time if you're trying to convince them of something or trying to, if if you need credibility. They'll get distracted by it, right? Yeah, yeah. They'll have a harder time understanding your idea or agreeing with you if they feel like it is written poorly. And that's that's absolutely a fair criticism for certain classes of people like me. Like I, I actually find myself going, okay, I need to turn off the part of my brain that critiques grammar so that I can actually get to the core of this idea. And I do pretty good at that. <clears throat> you do pretty what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant I meant to say that the good I do is pretty. It's beautiful. Oh. <laughs> okay. That was your mistake. <laughs> ah. Okay. So now that we're clear a, a point on that. to you. Yes. <laughs> I'll just make a note on the scoreboard here. Just give me a moment. Okay. It's, it's been noted. Sometimes I also do pretty well <laughs> at turning off that part of my brain so I can get to the core of the idea. But sometimes emails and other written documentation is just so poorly written that I just can't parse it. Like, I'm just like, okay, I, I'm trying really hard to understand what you're saying here, but there's just so much run on. I can't tell what this pronoun refers to. I can't tell what we're talking about. And and in those cases, I do think it behooves you as the author to just sit down and edit your email before you send it out. Yeah. I can get trapped in editing emails or other, other work written communication because there is, my default writing style is wordy. I'll just spew yeah, a lot of stuff onto the page. And then if I don't delete most of it, it's it can be hard for people to get through. But I can also just get sucked into like, adding and deleting little snippets all over the place. Like this is going to be engraved in stone or something like that. And 
And sometimes I've found that when I get into that mode, it makes the email worse because I start rearranging sentences, but then I don't take care to go like do a full dry, cold read all the way through top to bottom. And then I'm like, oh crap, now I'm, I'm referencing things I haven't said yet, you know? And it's like, because I rearranged the sentence, it used to be at the bottom, now it's at the top. So yeah, anyway, I, I also can get carried away with that. One thing I've seen, there's like this class of tech adjacent content clickbaity stuff that's like emails of famous tech executives, you know? Mm-hmm. This is a masterclass in leadership in two sentences. Yeah, exactly. Look how Steve <laughs> Jobs wrote this email. But I, I do feel like they're always clear. They don't always, or, or always, I don't know. This vague idea I have in my head of all of these things I've read combined together, it feels like they're very clear. Sometimes they're capitalized and sometimes they're not, but it's always very direct, mm-hmm. which I wonder if that's, is that a thing you do if you're the CEO of a giant tech company or is that like correlated with becoming the CEO of a giant tech company? You know, is it like you are powerful and so no one can get mad at you if you just respond with like a question mark to their five paragraph long proposal or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like that, is it cause or effect of the leadership position? Yeah. I think I'm just imposing advice. Uh, I'm, I'm giving advice to myself, which is not what the question asker right. asked about, which is like, <laughs> make them more concise because they're probably not very concise. That's not what this says. Yeah. Terrible emails will reflect poorly on me. It also probably depends on how much you communicate with this, with the audience already, like how much context they have. If, yeah. if they never talk to you and this is your one introduction to them and you're trying to grab their attention, then it's probably worth uh-huh. investing more time. If this is, yeah, to answer a quick question with someone that you work with regularly that they know that you not putting a period doesn't mean that you didn't like ship the thing to prod or whatever. Right. <laughs> well, it says here, this, I mean, this lack of a period makes me wonder, did you actually do the thing your sentence says you did? I don't know. Yeah. I see that there are no paragraphs in this email. And that makes me worried that you never hit enter on the terminal to actually run that <laughs> that deploy command. Because yes. it seems like you don't know that that key exists. Like, is your enter key broken? I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Your terminal is just full of unexecuted commands. <laughs> you just you just keep typing and assume, assume and it, it looks ran. like It looks like a chalkboard out of a horror movie. But, and I really fear what happens when you eventually do press return. <laughs> Five years of built-up <laughs> saved buffer. Yeah, imagine imagine all this work that's about to go to production right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, to me, like, I'll say this. Good grammar, good punctuation and whatnot, there's kind of like a minimal minimum bar that you must clear to actually convey your thoughts. And above that, I think it matters a lot less than the thing you're trying to say. Like, is the thing you're trying to say actually accurate and valuable? And if it's not, it really doesn't matter how amazing your grammar is. Like, yeah, this is a really bad business idea, but dang, the grammar. It's so good. No prepositions at the end of sentences. You know, no run-ons. It's just amazing. They know the difference between an M-dash and an N-dash? Yes. Oh. And you could tell. We are adopting this framework. (laughs) This terrible, terrible thing. Yeah, Yeah, so... Like, no amount of great grammar can make a bad idea a good idea, but a good idea can be shrouded and thought to be bad because of bad grammar. So there's, like, this beautiful 
Goldilocks zone where it's like just enough grammar right, just a, just enough grammar good <laughs> <laughs> to convey the idea. You know. Yeah. Now I will say this is also it depends a lot on the audience. Like if, in this in this example, this person's talking to their partner, and it's like I'm just telling the engineers that I that I finished a ticket. It's like okay, yeah, don't really care about the grammar. But if it's like I'm emailing a VP to ask for approval to do something, uh, I'm gonna rewrite that email probably four or five times to get to get it as small as possible, as grammatically unencumbered as possible, and short and to the point to get my question answered or my or my approval granted. <laughs> you, you give now longer timeline. Right now, now <laughs> big timeline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exactly. Many stock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's that rule? Be be liberal in what you accept and conservative in what you send. Not in the political, but like yeah, the other, the other way. <laughs> Isn't there some one of those pithy programmer laws? Yeah. It's uh yes, it's uh Joe. No, not Joe. John. Postel's Postles law. That's be liberal in what you right. accept and conservative in what you send, or, or in other words, be generous in what you accept and strict in what you send. This is what made web browsers so hopelessly complicated. <laughs> but it is a good strategy for written communication, I think, especially if you work with folks who have different language skills. Maybe English is not their first language or whatever language you're communicating in. Maybe they have some kind of difficulty in, in writing, like dyslexia is a thing or other, I don't know, other things besides dyslexia. So I, I think this could be a, a useful lesson for you to if you see someone else's email that feels like the point is there, but it's maybe sloppily written. Give them the benefit of the doubt that that the delightful placement of their semicolons is not like how smart they are. I, I guess I'm just repeating what you said, but saying that it might be language things more than just like they don't know how to grammar, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've worked with a lot of people who, for whom English is not their first language. Did you like how I used for whom correctly there? Just wanted to throw that in. Like it, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I absolutely have no problem looking past grammar mistakes in those contexts. It's no problem at all. It's really easy. In fact, I struggle a lot more reading text written by people whose first language is English for whatever reason. <laughs> as weird as that sounds. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but... Uh, Definitely the worst emails I read definitely come from people for whom English is their first language. Yeah, you got to have... That's a good point. I feel like if you're speaking in, or writing in a foreign language, when I did it, I tried hard to communicate clearly because I couldn't just like smash my hands on the keyboard and, and have something meaningful come out. Like you didn't... You lacked the vocabulary to embellish. Yeah. Right? And so you just had to speak like Hulk voice. I wasn't smart enough to be to be stupid. Right. In a foreign language. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. I know exactly how you feel. It's like it's almost like that what you were just saying before, like longer timeline now. <laughs> you know, like that's that's all my yeah. vocabulary I have. That's how yeah. I felt when I was trying to write and speak in a different language. So yeah, anyway, long story short, if you're sending an update to your team teammates to say, I finished the ticket, I don't care at all about your grammar. If you're trying to convey a complex idea, I think it, you know, especially if you're trying to convince a team to go in a new direction or you're trying to make a multifaceted, complex 
a solution to a problem, I think it behooves you to take your time to make sure the grammar doesn't impede your ability to share the knowledge or share the information you're trying to share. We've talked about grammar a lot here too, but it's it's also kind of information architecture and, and outlining and organizing. And, and yeah, if you have a lot of context and you're just trying to drop a chunk of information, you probably don't need a thesis statement and a summary, like executive summary. And, you know, you can, you can just say thing done and then hit enter or whatever. But yeah, the less context you have and, and the wider the audience is, the more clear you have to be. Yeah. And that's a good point is that emails are easy to forward. So <laughs> get a load of Dave, big timeline now. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> can you believe it i wasn't thinking about forwarding more, more like if you're if you're yeah if you're sending an update to a i don't know a team of 30 people or something like that right then mm -hmm. it's sort of like the math of it too the time yes. spent reading yeah. it will be higher multiplied so it's, yeah yeah it's probably worth a bit more of your time to tweak the writing like if you send an email to 30 people you're probably going to have at least two of them read it <laughs> think about all that time that's a lot of responsibility on yeah. your shoulders. <laughs> I mean, most of my emails get zero reads. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome if you could have little stats like you do on blog posts and YouTube videos, you know? I'm How many sure people you read can. your email? How many liked it? <laughs> yeah. Like, comment, and subscribe to this email. And you get notifications for emails you wrote six months ago that someone's going into view again. Like, yeah, huh, that's interesting. My boss is yeah. pulling up really old emails. What does that mean for me? <laughs> probably something great yeah probably good <laughs> i'm sure it's i'm sure it's great i'm sure it's to put together this nice reward yeah. uh, all right well is that question answered indubitably oh fancy words yes okay Whew. what can people do if they want their own questions answered Sorry, I'm still chewing on indubitably. Just give me a moment. I had to chew on it a little bit just to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want your own question answered, go to softskills.audio and click the Ask a Question button. And as always, thank you from the bottom of our hearts to so many questions that come in. We have the ultimate job security. Like startups talk about how much runway they have financially. Well, we've got question runway and boy, is it a long runway. Yeah. You could get a very heavy overfilled plane off this runway <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for all the questions keep them coming we love them we will catch you next week see ya